From the West Australian, it's Tuesday the 12th of December. I'm Ben O'Shea and this is The West Live. The West Live. The West Live with Ben O'Shea. These days, there are a bunch of period dramas and comedies on TV that play pretty loose and fast with history. Bridgerton, The Great, Dickinson, the list goes on. And no one really seems to have a problem with the inaccuracies or the fact the casts are far more diverse than you would have actually found at the time when these shows were set. Just don't try and get a show like that off the ground in Tunisia. Yes, Tunisians have cracked the shits at the casting of Denzel Washington as the legendary military leader Hannibal of Carthage in a new Netflix series. French-language Tunisian news outlet La Presse published an article saying the casting created a historical error, while on social media, some users accused Netflix of promoting woke culture. An online petition signed by 1,300 people urged Netflix to cancel its pseudo-documentary and called on the Ministry of Culture in that country to take action against the attempt to steal their history. Now, Hannibal was born near modern-day Tunis and is considered by many to be one of history's greatest military leaders. During the war against the the Romans in 218 BC, he famously led his troops and African war elephants across a high pass in the Alps to strike at Rome from the north. For 15 years, he ravaged the land and people, but he never managed to take Rome and was eventually forced back to North Africa. Now, Hannibal's skin colour is not known, although historians of the ancient world largely agree that he was of Phoenician descent, a region encompassing modern Lebanon and Syria. Although they admit he lived during a time of great empires and intermixing, it's not inconceivable he was black. It's just not very likely. So what's the big deal here? Well, Tunisian politics is currently being dominated by racial rhetoric regarding the arrival of sub-Saharan migrants. With that as a backdrop, there are plenty of Tunisians who are taking their frustrations out on Denzel and Netflix. In that sense, it's exactly like the casting of black actor Adele James in Cleopatra, also by Netflix. Is it a bit woke? Yeah, of course it is. But it comes after decades of casting white actors in these roles, which surely everyone would agree is much, much worse. Ultimately, the most important thing is, is the show or movie any good? And Denzel Washington as Hannibal gets my stamp of approval. Coming up on today's show, a class action is launched against JB Hi-Fi over extended warranties, and we get the latest from Gaza and Ukraine. But first, let's see what's making news. West Live. Making news. And joining me now in the studio is Sunrise correspondent Matt Tinney. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Happy Tuesday. Happy, taki, ta- happy taki, 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 taki Tuesday. Tuesday. Don't have the Takis. They're too spicy. Yes. You know the Takis? Kids love those. Uh, talking about kids, uh, I saw you in the distance at the Edgy Dance concert oh, at yes. our school yesterday. It was fantastic. The second Edgy Dance concert for me. Well, th- this was my uh, what seventh and last. Oh, sorry. I mean second, as in this, oh, oh, this, this year. year. This year. <laughs> oh. oh yes. Yeah, um, so last one. The Year Six performance was amazing. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Well, I saw the Year Six performance last week because there's obviously yeah, yeah, different a few classes. Different classes. So well, I'm not. I don't want to compare classes. But yesterday's very schmick. Oh, I very schmick. That. Yeah. No, Vance was in um, for his class in um, pre-primary. Oh the, yeah, did he do that? I like to move, move it. it yeah, move that it. was they had good. Like the that was awesome. T-shirts and yeah, 
Do you know what the one thing about that edgy dance is? And I think a lot of school events that people go to where you go and watch your kid, like, get a certificate or perform, you know, people, like, try and get the front spot because they want to video it yes. with their phone. Yes. And then your kid is finished then I think people should move to the back and let yes. other parents with different classes come through. I agree, but the performances are so good, nobody wants to yeah, move. They're like, here's, here's a show. There's no dinner, but it's basically, you know, free entertainment. It is indeed. Now let's talk about this grim story that shocked WA yesterday. A mother and a baby, her three-month-old daughter, were found dead in a property in Morley. Yeah, this has happened on Robinson Road. What we can tell you is that police are treating this as a murder-suicide mm. at this stage. So we do know uh, that the woman's partner and the father of the child uh, was the one to find uh, the pair before calling police and the father is not considered a suspect we're told and the reason for that being uh, that the father was at work so there's an alibi there uh, just an awful situation isn't it and and something you definitely do not want to see yeah, it's understood that the mother works as a nurse in the local area and a neighbour told the West Australian that uh, often saw her return home from night shifts wearing scrubs, um, but there's so much we don't know at this stage and we'll have to wait till the result of that um, forensic investigation. Yeah. Uh, we saw the police arrive yesterday. Um, and now passengers are worried uh, that a bus driver was doing paperwork while behind the wheel. Yeah, this is astounding. This was on 7 News last night, the video. So you can see the bus driver uh, has a clipboard on the steering wheel with pen to paper and occasionally <laughs> glances up at the road. And um, he's driving a coach full of passengers from Perth to Geraldton. So the full oh, video uh, was obtained by 7 News. It's almost three minutes long. And it shows the bus driver reading, overtaking and writing, um, scrawling for six seconds in one section, uh, filling out what appears to be a passenger manifest as the bus hurdles along this country road. It was all filmed last week by a shocked passenger uh, and the incident was also captured on the bus's CCTV. So the Public Transport Authority is now reviewing uh, that CCTV. Police are also investigating. So the maximum penalty is a $1,500 fine, yeah. uh, but this bus driver could face a much harsher penalty from his employer. Yeah, I think, like, you think of the potential there for a, oh, just a terrible tragedy. Catastrophic. Yeah, gosh, that's just completely stupid. Um, now, this whale that has been uh, rocking up at Perth beaches, it was at Port Beach um, on the weekend and just amazed everybody at how close it came into shore. There were fears raised that um, the whale was going to beach itself. That turned out to happen uh, on a sandbank off Rockingham Beach and now authorities have delivered some pretty grim news. Yeah, these authorities uh, say that this sperm whale that beached itself on a sandbank uh, 70 metres off of Rockingham Beach will most likely be euthanised. Um, they say that this is not sort of a healthy animal. It is weak. It's positioned itself in a way um, for an animal that, that's not well and needs to rest. Um, so, you know, putting this animal out of its misery may be the best option. So those assessments are going to be made this morning. The thing is bloody huge. Yeah, it's massive, like, isn't When it? I first saw it on social media on the weekend, I didn't think it was real. I thought, oh, hang on a minute, this is just one of those, you know, doctored mm. videos um, because it just looked too huge to be that close to the shore and people swimming yeah. around it. Um, 15 metres, that's a big whale. That's a big whale. It's a big huge. whale. And people were right up 
touching yeah. it basically. Um, and of course, you have to be careful of sharks and things like that that mm. tend to um, congregate around uh, whales in distress. Um, so just if you're in the general public, stay away. I think leave it up to the experts. Um, and talking about sharks, uh, three acoustic shark monitors will soon be installed in the Swan River. Yes, but authorities are yet to tag a single adult bull shark in the river since the death of Stella Berry earlier this year. So the Premier obviously announced uh, the completion mm. of the shark barrier protecting Bicton Bards and uh, we have news of the monitoring devices being installed in waters off East Frio, Blackwall Reach and near Canning Bridge. Obviously, if you don't have bull sharks in the river tagged... Uh, yeah, you can't the monitoring them. devices are so handy, much. you know, it will it will pick up any other sort of yeah. shark that has been <laughs> tagged that happens to find itself in the river, though. Is there um, any, does that happen? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, many, they're obviously the thing, not right? as easy as sort of yeah. the great whites to tag and no. other other sharks that are tagged. And then, Who knows how many there are? There might not be that many, right? Like there might, yeah. Who knows how many bull sharks there actually are in the river that are of a decent size that are mm. even worth tagging? Um, and it probably changes as well because they hang around the river mouths and they go in yeah. and out and yeah 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 so it's, it is like a needle in a haystack kind of situation yeah, probably if you really want to swim in the river probably that uh you know bicton bath yeah, shark, shark, shark net is I the agree. way to go like this this to me is you know smacks of that kind of you know paying lip service to a problem and it's like oh, well you know this tragedy happened uh we've, we've got, got to be do seen something. to be doing something yeah. What we're doing is probably not really going to achieve anything, but at least we've done something. Yeah, yeah, perception. Um, yeah, it's a perception <laughs> thing. It's optics. Um, and now in North Queensland, they're bracing for tropical cyclone Jasper, which is expected to intensify today um, ahead of making landfall north of Cairns tomorrow afternoon. If it is a bit delayed and hangs out at sea a bit often, the Bureau of Meteorology says that it could go from a Category 2 up to a Category 3 and then become quite a serious storm. Um, they're still expecting gale force winds to hit several communities um, including Cairns and Innisfail and Palm Island um, it, it's they're following it very closely my mum is up in that part of the world oh, really? uh, in Townsville uh, and I asked her you know what she's thinking about uh, um, Cyclone Jasper and she's actually worried about the mango crop this year so she's oh. got she's got about 50 mango trees in her backyard um, and uh, you know she's a mango she loves, she loves the mangoes. Love the mango. So this is this is coming into her favourite time of year, where she'll t you know get the mangoes and. Do you know how to pick the best mango? Yeah. You just you smell it, and you, if you've got sort of a nose that's tuned into it, you can smell yeah, you an can amazing smell. Yep, mango. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jano can. She'd, she she'd loves... smell one from two suburbs <laughs> away. Uh, and uh, and I'm just looking at the latest. She's very worried. Track map, and it has it just near Port Douglas as a category two, yeah, making yeah, landfall yeah. Jano, at this point. Jano says the winds are getting uh, pretty strong, and uh, the mangoes are going to start falling off the trees. Mm. So there you go. So uh, you think I'll other be running around banana picking tree them down here? Yeah. Well, she, she's going to get as many as she can. I yeah. think. I hope um, she's out there right now. And now talking talking about uh, weather and the climate, um, the draft deal to cut global fossil fuel production over at COP28 uh, is, uh, look, let's just say the negotiations there are not going great. Oh. So the latest news out of COP28 is that the draft deal that, that, that the summit has come up with, you're talking like 198 countries all there having a chin wag about how to deal with climate change. Um, and they were supposed to come up with a kind of like a binding resolution yes. that would save the planet, just a small detail like that. Yeah. Um, but the draft deal has been called grossly insufficient and even incoherent and weak. Um, so the original mm. the original draft 
was uh, released on Saturday, um, and it talked about a phase-out of fossil fuels in line with the best available science. And everyone was like, okay, do you know what? That'd be great. If we come out of this COP28 with that agreement, that, sounds pretty good that to is me. a win. But now... Overnight, another draft was published and that phase-out oh. language removed. Oh. Just disappeared. Oh. Uh, and this, this card probably so ties into... So what's it into, say now? Oh, it doesn't say anything. Nothing. It just says reduce. Reduce consumption. Um, so but it doesn't say phase out. And so the, in that grey area, it basically means countries just don't have to do anything. Um, and uh, it plays into all of the doubts people had about it being in Dubai in the first place and, and the president of COP28 being a CEO of an oil company. Yeah. So, look, uh, I wouldn't say I'm super surprised that uh, things aren't going great there at COP28, but we'll see. There's still a, a, another day to go and it could last a little bit longer if nations argue over the deal. But, Matty, we'll get you up uh, to talk about the Wild West shortly. Yeah, see you soon. You're listening to The West Live. For most of us, thoughts are now turned towards Christmas, but in other parts of the world, a more pressing concern is simply staying alive in a deadly conflict. Here to take us through the latest news in two of those conflicts is global futurist and foreign affairs expert Dr Keith Suda. Good morning, Dr Suda. Good morning, Ben. Okay, so let's talk Gaza. Uh, the ceasefire <clears throat> has come and gone. Hostages have been released. Um, what do you see as being the major news in this conflict? Yes, yeah, so the important thing now is exactly what the long-term strategy is for Israel. The Israeli government has announced that it does not intend to reoccupy Gaza. It got out of Gaza some years ago with a huge sigh of relief, um, and they're reluctant to get stuck involved again in Gaza. The problem is that um, we don't know who's going to be running that territory um, after the Israelis do decide to pull out. So that's one of the issues that's involved, um, just the long-term strategy for Israel. The Israelis are saying they don't want to hold on to Gaza. So, OK, well, who's going to run it after they've gone? A second issue is the uh, allegations relating to the use of white phosphorus, which is outlawed under international law. But there have been allegations that the Israelis are using it. This causes further embarrassment for the Americans. And, of course, um, in the last few days, we've had a debate at the United Nations Security Council uh, calling for a ceasefire, and that was vetoed by the Americans. Even the British, who are normally very pro-Israeli, even the British abstained. So America's very much gone out on a diplomatic limb to support Israel. And back home in the United States, this uh, position is uh, becoming increasingly controversial. It's almost a generational issue, um, according to some of the commentators, that the younger you are in America, the more you tend to be pro-Palestinian. So the dinosaurs among us, like myself, you know, remember the Holocaust, World War Two, and, you know, the way our parents spoke about it, etc. So we have an inherent bias towards Israel, whereas you've got a new generation coming through who don't have that same sort of historical perspective. And they're the ones that we're seeing now on American campuses uh, that are very pro-Palestinian. And this is a problem for Joe Biden, because uh, many of those youngsters would normally be Democrat voters in November of next year. He's annoying some of his potential voters. So that's yet another dimension to all of this. Um, and meanwhile, of course, the Israelis continue to grind on in Gaza, uh, almost a war without end. They're claiming to be getting some of the Hamas uh, fighters, uh, capturing them, etc. But um, 
there's still got a long way to go. And, and you made the reference to the freeing of hostages. Only some have been freed. The bulk still remain somewhere underground. Um, and they must be going through absolute hell at the moment, given all what's going on above ground. Um, now, it's possible that they could remain alive for a long time underground. Corporal Shalit, 20 odd years ago, was kept in tunnels for five years. Um, mind you, the, the intensity of the fighting in those days was not as bad as it is now. But we've still got a long way to go before those hostages get released. So it's a pretty grim situation all around with no obvious sign of a breakthrough um, in terms of the diplomatic negotiations. And of course, we now have the renewed fear of a wider conflict. The UN Secretary General has used um, his own initiative to provide a formal warning to the UN Security Council that this is becoming a threat to international peace and security. And we're seeing up at the northern end of Israel. So Gaza is right down the south. So we're now at the northern end and the risk of a conflict between Israel and Hezbollah, a very different sort of group from Hamas, much larger, much more powerful, and the risk perhaps of Syria getting involved as well as Lebanon. So we could be seeing a wider war emerge in the coming days. Mm, which is definitely one thing uh, no one wants to see. And now let's cross to Ukraine, because the way I see it at the moment, there's a couple of major issues going on there. Firstly, is Ukraine's counteroffensive and what exactly has happened there? They started with high hopes. Uh, I'm not mm. sure if those hopes have been realised. And then you've got uh, what uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky is up to over in America, trying to yeah. push through the billions of dollars in aid that's been held up um, in US Congress. Uh, Let's start with the situation uh, on the ground in the Ukraine. Uh, how do you see that counteroffensive unfolding? Well, unfortunately, it's ground to a halt from the Ukrainian point of view. Um, as you say, it began with high hopes with a lot of equipment from Western countries, but it's now just ground to a halt. Winter is setting in, um, which means it's very difficult to conduct an offensive during these conditions. Um, so a stalemate is developing. Um, on the Russian side, President Putin in the last couple of days has decided to mobilize 170,000 additional um, Russian soldiers for the war. Now, if you look back at the history of warfare, not just um, in terms of what we've seen in the 20th century, but you go all the way back into Russian history, the secret of Russia's ability to defend itself has come from the fact that it has almost unlimited reserves of people that it can call upon to fight. Um, and this, I think, this old factor, which has been so successful over the centuries, will also prove to be again successful for the Russians. So the Russians have dug in. Uh, they're not gonna be uh, uh, removed by the Ukrainians. Um, they can't necessarily, the Russians can't necessarily invade further into Ukraine, but they will continue to defend the territory which they've taken over. So that's the eastern slice of Ukraine, as well as the southern area, and they'll hold on to Crimea. So you'd have to say that the spring offensive um, has been a failure from the Ukrainian point of view. Um, as you say, President Zelensky, as we talk, um, is um, on his way to Washington. Um, he's uh, seeking to get more military assistance He's up against um, opposition, mainly from the Republican Party. The Republican Party um, 
is saying, look, we've got problems closer to home. The reason why the legislation which was proposed last week failed to get through Congress is the Republicans trying to link in assistance to Israel and Ukraine. On the one hand, we're defending the southern border. In other words, the border with Mexico. Um, on the other hand, so and and obviously, you know, the Democrats said, no, 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 these are two separate issues. You shouldn't try to run one into the other. And the Republicans are saying, look, from our point of view, defending us against the um, influx of asylum seekers, whatever, is much more significant for our voters than what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, so Zelensky is making this uh, quick dash to Washington. I think it'll be his third trip there since the war began as a way of trying to win American support for greater assistance to Ukraine. But there are people saying, well, we've provided you already with a lot of assistance and you haven't won through. Meanwhile, uh, President Putin uh, is talking about um, perhaps um, a ceasefire in Ukraine uh, with the borders that we've currently got being frozen. And so we, we've got what I've called over the last uh, couple, almost two years the North Korean solution. In other words, if you go back to um, the Korean War, there was an armistice, a ceasefire in 1953. So it wasn't the end of the war, it was just simply a ceasefire. And the Korean Peninsula was divided into North Korea and South Korea. Um, and that has remained. So you've now got two separate territories uh, whose existence is based on a ceasefire rather than a peace agreement, peace treaty. And I, that may well be what's going to happen with Ukraine. It's, it's terrible news, given all the suffering the Ukrainians have endured. In other words, that um, Ukraine would end up with losing some of its territory, uh, some perhaps about 10, 15% of it, and will have to agree to be neutral. In other words, not to become a member of NATO. Um, this, so this would mean that Putin has got away with some of his invasion plans. It's not the complete takeover that he promised with the special military operation. That hasn't worked. Uh, but he will get out of the war with at least some control over Ukraine and with Ukraine not being able to join NATO. Um, it's a pretty grim assessment. It's not one that I like to make, but I fear that that's likely to be the case. Um, and certainly at the moment, we can't expect any big breakthroughs in the war. As I say, geography is, and weather are very important for this type of era, um, and the war will, will just remain as a stalemate. And in a sense, Putin has gotten away with at least some of his invasion. I don't think he's going to be in any great hurry to invade Poland, which is the, the next sphere, and the Baltic states. I think he's uh, got a bit of a bloody nose as a result of the failure to take over Ukraine as quickly as he had promised in 10 days in February of last year. Um, so I don't think there's appetite to go into other former Russian territory. Um, but it does mean that the Ukrainians will have lost some of their territory. And it may well be that Zelensky will just say, well, look, I'm just going to have to resign because I failed to win the war. So we, we could be getting some big up, upheavals there as well um, in, the next, uh, in the next few weeks. Mm, it'd be a grim outcome after all the Ukrainian blood and Western yeah. treasure that has been spent in Ukraine over the past uh, year or so. Well, we'll wait and see. Global futurist and foreign affairs expert Dr Keith Suda, thanks as always for joining us on The West Live. Thank you, Ben.
If you've bought a big ticket item at a retail chain, the chances are pretty good a staff member has tried to flog you an extended warranty, pay a bit extra and get your purchase covered for years into the future. But are those warranties worth the paper they're printed on? That's a question being raised in a new class action against retail giant JB Hi-Fi. Joining me now to tell us more is Principal at Morris Blackburn Lawyers, the firm behind the lawsuit, Miranda Nagy. Good morning, Miranda. Welcome to The West Live. Good morning, Ben. And so what does this lawsuit allege? Well, look, what we're saying is that JB Hi-Fi's extended warranties are really things of very little material value to consumers, that they essentially overlap with the same rights that consumers already have for free under the Australian consumer law. Yeah, right. So in essence... Customers already are protected against um, uh, the failure of an item, but JB's is selling them something um, unnecessary. Uh, and on, on what on what grounds are they are they doing it? Are they are they tr- pitching it as a benefit to the customer, and so therefore it's worth the money? Look, they do pitch it as a benefit to the customer, and we think that people bought them under sort of a real mistake as to their value. Since at least 2016, JB Hi-Fi has said in their brochures that their extended warranty is likely to provide longer cover for consumers than the rights that they have under the Australian consumer law. We just don't think that's correct in the case of most products they sell, and that's one example of a statement that we say was likely to mislead people into thinking that their extended warranties have value. Um, To to give you an example, I suppose, um, you might buy a $1,000 dishwasher and the cost to you of buying an extended warranty that gives you a replacement if you've got a problem uh, is $200, so 20% of the item cost. But your JB Hi-Fi extended warranty expires just three years after you purchase in circumstances where you would expect, you know, a $1,000 dishwasher to last you considerably longer than that in which case your Australian consumer law rights will actually last for longer than the extended warranty. Mm. In terms of the consumer law, like what is the, the current situation in terms of the protections that customers have for items like dishwashers and TVs and fridges? Sure. Look, we have, we have really strong rights under the Australian consumer law. So any time you buy a product, you get a consumer guarantee. And one of the guarantees that applies is a guarantee that the goods will be of acceptable quality and this means that they'll be, you know, fit for the purposes for which goods of that kind are supplied. So, you know, they'll wash your dishes if it's a dishwasher, that, that they'll be acceptable in appearance and finish free from defects and safe and durable. So they'll have, you know, a, a, a lifespan which is appropriate to that particular product. And if you have a problem with your item, um, you know, in that the the item isn't of acceptable quality, you can go back to the retailer that you bought it from or you can also go back to the manufacturer and you can ask them to give you a remedy and that will that remedy will differ depending upon the circumstances but it's typically repair, replacement or refund. And when I say refund under the consumer law, it means a cash refund essentially whereas um, JB Hi-Fi's extended warranties, for example, they might offer you a store credit rather than cash back in your hand so you're still spending money there. So, you know, those rights under the Australian consumer law cost nothing and just automatically arise whenever you buy a product. So they're actually very, very valuable and very strong rights. Mm. Is it fair to say that a lot of customers probably aren't aware of their rights? I think it is fair to say that. Um, You know, in in recent years, our... 
consumer regulator, the ACCC, has paid some attention to this. And you might see when you go into um, a, a JB Hi-Fi store or you know many other retail stores, you'll see signs up, you know, often at the point of sale, telling you that you have Australian consumer law rights. But I think the reality is people are people are not really focusing on that when they're actually handing their money over at the cash register. And so, yes, I think there is a problem in that people are not as well informed about their Australian consumer law rights as they should be. Mm. And now one thing I'm curious about is JB isn't the only big retailer that offers extended warranties. Is there a reason why this class action is directed specifically at them uh, and not, say, as well, Harvey Norman and the good guys that also uh, have the same policies? Sure. I mean, I guess the the key point is that they're not necessarily the same policies. They're like any Mm. other kind of insurance or quasi-insurance contract. You know, the terms really differ. And so you really need to look very closely at the particular terms that are being offered by a retailer and sort of make an assessment there. So this case is really just focusing on the the precise extended warranties that Mm. JB Hi-Fi has offered since January 2011. Gotcha. And how many uh, customers uh, will join or have joined this class action? Look, we've commenced the case on behalf of every single person who bought an extended warranty from JB Hi-Fi in the period from the 1st of January 2011 to the 8th of December 2023. So I I don't know how many people are in that group, but my guess is that it's somewhere in the hundreds of thousands. The um, Consumer Organisation Choice did a survey this year where they found that 32% of Australians had bought an extended warranty from one retailer or another in the last two years. So I think these are products which are very widely purchased. um, And so I anticipate there's going to be a very large number of people in our class. Mm. And so then what does victory look like? Oh, that's a that's a very good question. I mean, I guess, you know, victory in a case like this can look like getting a judgment for the full amount of all the the price of all the extended warranties purchased in that period or, you know, many cases settle um, and, and, you know, a settlement is reached between the parties, you know, that, that means you don't actually have to go to court and it also means that people get their money faster. But what we are looking to recover for people if the class action is successful is the money that they have actually put down on the extended warranties. Mm. And so if you're out there listening to this right now and you think, well, you know, I bought a flat screen TV from JB's uh, a year ago and I definitely paid that extra money for the extended warranty. And you might be thinking, oh, geez, I feel like a bit of a goose after listening to this. But what, what can those people do? Do they have to do anything? Look, you're already covered by the class action, but the reality is we don't know the identities of all the people who've bought these products. And we are very keen to be in touch with them. So we would encourage people to come over to our website at morrisblackburn.com.au and register their interest in the class action so that we can stay in touch with people. Mm. And what sort of timeline are we talking uh, when it comes to a case like this? Look, these cases are big and they sometimes can take some time. We will know a lot more sort of earlyish in the new year when JB Hi-Fi will have to file a defence. We'll know then, I suppose, what sort of attitude and approach they're going to take to it. And that will give us a clue about, you know, is this a a month-long or a years-long proposition? Mm, And we'll be following it very closely. If nothing else, everybody listening along at home, really maybe rethink those extended warranties and do a bit of research and figure out your own uh, coverage in legislation. You might not need it after all. From Morris Blackburn Lawyers, principal of the firm Miranda Nagy, thanks for joining me on The West Live. Thanks, Ben. The Wild West.
And joining me back in the studio is Sunrise correspondent Matt Tinney. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. I'm excited. What have you got today? Well, this is one of my favourite times of the year when you get all the best of lists, right? I love a best of list. And Google has released its list of what was trending in 2023. As in searches from people. The most searched things in 2023. And I've got the global searches and I've also got Australian searches. And this might surprise you. Taylor Swift is not on there at all. Oh, isn't that doesn't that seem bizarre? So if you're talking global, global, let's see what's on. Okay, there, global most searched there. news. Uh, the number one was the war in Israel and Gaza. These um, are, this is news. This is not this is just news. general. This is just news. Searches. So there's broken up into categories, right? Okay. So uh, so you've got the war in Gaza, number one yeah. most searched news item. Uh, the Titan submarine. Oh, yes. Number two, the Turkey earthquake, number three. Yes. Uh, then there's a couple of hurricanes that we don't know anything about. Um, and the uh, the Indian moon mission came in um, in the top ten, so I thought that was interesting. Okay. Um, in terms of people that were the most searched in 2023, mm-hmm. um, the NFL player that nearly died on the field, DeMar oh, Hamlin, yes. was number one. Uh, Jeremy Renner, who nearly killed himself in a like a snowplow incident. Yeah. Uh, number two, Andrew Tate. Number three, um, Killian Mbappe. Number four. You like this one, Travis Kelsey. Number five. Ah, so there you go. No so that was kind of no Tate. Uh, she didn't get in the top ten at all. I suppose, all. but I suppose if you took it out of the news genre. And just in general Google searches, yeah. I would expect Tay Tay to yeah, be up Yeah, interesting, there. right? Um, do you want to know, the, can you guess at the um, the most Googled um, celebrity death? Oh, what a morbid thing to yeah. think about. Matthew Perry. Oh, yeah, of course. course. Right? Of course. Tina Turner came in at number two. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of the most Googled uh, movies in 2023, uh, Barbie number one, Oppenheimer number two. Um, but interestingly, looking at the Australian-specific searches, um, the top Aussies Googled, Sam Kerr and Mary Fowler, one and two. Ah, there so you go, about Matildas. That? Matildas, one and two. Uh, and the Optus outage was the number one search <laughs> news <laughs> No term. surprises. <laughs> Not that anyone with Optus could have searched it. No, unfortunately for them. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow from 7 a.m. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to the West Live wherever you get your podcasts. Maddie, we'll talk to you then. Catch you tomorrow, mate. You've been listening to the West Live with Ben O'Shea. If the story behind the story matters to you, then you can count on the west.com.au to deliver.